Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see see all of you here. <clears throat> um, if you'd like to stand together, we'll uh, we'll worship here. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for this day. Um, thanks for community together. Um, Lord, may we know your presence. Child of 
Yes, I am. God with us. God with us. God for us. Nothing can come against. No one can come between us. You are matchless in grace and mercy. There is nowhere we can hide from your love. You are steadfast, never failing, you're faithful. All creation is in awe of who you are. You're the healer of the sick and the broken. You're the comfort of every heart that mourns. King, our Savior, forever, for eternity we will sing of all you've done. We sing, God with us, God for us, nothing can come against, no one can stand between us. God with us, God for us, no one Come against, no one can stand between us. Your heart moves with compassion. There is life, there is healing in your love. You're the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. For eternity we will sing of all you've done. For eternity. For eternity we will sing of all you've done. We sing God with us, God for us. Nothing can come against, no one can stand between us. God with us, God for us, nothing can come against, no one can stand between us. Oh. Right, you guys can have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Uh, my name is Sam, and I'm here to do testimony time or story time, a time where you can raise your hand to share any way that you've seen God moving, um, big ways, small ways. I already see Jackie super excited to share hers, so I'm going to meet her over here. 
Well, well, I see God here for at the warming center for people who don't have a warm place to sleep and need good food. So I see God here at this church and all these volunteers helping those people out. Yes, amen. And thank you to all the volunteers who are helping with the warming shelter. Um, such a blessing. Thank you for all the guests who are here with us too. We're so happy to have you. Hi, my name is Greg, and uh, I would say that I'm a good sleeper normally. <laughs> uh, I felt like I could give seminars on sleep hygiene and how sleep is worship, but me and my wife bought a house. It's a fixer-upper, and we gutted a bathroom down to, like, the studs and even, like, we had to replace Joyce and stuff like that, but it was coming time to put the bathroom back together, and I just had so much anxiety regarding how to do it, and I'm an engineer, so, like, I worked a really hard to, like, problem solve everything, and, like, I would just have the hardest time falling asleep, and, uh, like, I would wake up at four in the morning, and my brain would just be churning and, like, trying to solve all the problems, and, and I'm really realizing that was fretting and anxiety and worry. And we had a friend come in town last weekend um, to help us with the bathroom. And he uh, has done bathroom remodels uh, recently as like a side gig, but he also has like a background in carpentry. And the problems that I couldn't have known about, like he was just perfectly suited to help us with those. And I feel like God was just really there um, providing and protecting for, for us and like in ways that I couldn't worry about like and I just felt like God was saying like you don't have to worry like I have your back I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to protect you and like you're worrying up at four in the morning like it doesn't do anything like it's actually like me I'm going to provide for you and so like that was just really meaningful to me to see God um yeah just have my back in that way so really thankful yeah that's beautiful any others? Thank you. Thank you, church. Let the church say amen. Uh, God bless you all. Uh, I had a wonderful week here at Genesis. I'm a, I'm a client in a shelter resident here, and I had a fantastic uh, opportunity to meet a lot of great people. Um, I can't call them all by name, but there's one that stands out uh, uh, they all stand out, but there's one I, I mean, I don't need my words. I'm, I'm gonna speak for Jesse, um, the night, the night guy. Uh, wow, um, great guy. Uh, I would like to say, on behalf of the residents who probably can't articulate as I can, um, the convenience that you provide. Um, with safety, shelter, food, clothing, uh, things like the shower, basic, basic human needs like Abraham Maslow talked about in sense of belonging, um, that uh, third step in the, pyramid, uh, the hierarchy pyramid. pyramid. Uh, sense of belonging, love, um, the greatest of them all. Um, Jesus taught me love and to never be impartial to anyone even if they're uh, adversary. Uh, there's no need to fear anyone. 
even if they are adversaries. Uh, be my voice and allow me to speak for you on your behalf. So I get out of the way and I allow Jesus to take over. He's been a friend to me for a very long time. Now, um, recently he's become a lover. Um, I love the Lord. And every time I say it, it almost brings me to tears because of what he's been through, brought me through. You know, I'm still here standing. Um, I'm a victim of a lot of things that um, uh, I should not say because I don't, I, I don't know if it's appropriate for this audience, but I'm a victim of a lot of things. And um, it's always good, my professor told me, um, always uh, uh, articulate your words according to your audience. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful on behalf of the Lord. And there's a song that comes to mind for me. And it says, it says, uh, pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, please do not pass me by. I'm calling on you, Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. I love all of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's a hard one to follow up with that beautiful song. It is a hard one to follow. Um, my name is Molly, and Seth and I just had a really tough week last week. Um, a lot of our kids we're having a hard time with various things and we weren't sleeping very good <laughs> you know because we had some little boys who are sick and I did just feel like we were shown a lot of mercy last week um like days when I had a super bad headache oh the kids weren't fighting that day <laughs> or like one day when we actually had to be in three places at the same time that day my sister-in-law called and was like is there a way i could help you guys out today i'm free i'm like actually we really could use help and seth's parents gave us some money to go on a date and just a lot of a lot of small mercies that i appreciated so much and felt like i could feel god um, just kind of catching us in a net when we were having a hard time Thank you. Yeah, those beautiful moments, those little moments are so, so lovely. Anybody else I missed? Thank you. The last 14 days here at Genesis have been incredible. Um, with all the volunteers and the people that prayed for all the people who were here. Our brothers and sisters will be leaving us today to go to another church for a week or two. So just want to take an opportunity to thank everybody, but particularly thank God for the for watching over us for the 14 days. It was it was incredible. And if you get a chance, there's a, a lot of our brothers and sisters at the tables. So if you get a chance, just Go up to them and say, I love you. Because they don't hear that very often, do they? And you know, on a cruise ship, there's always a captain, 
and then the first captain, and then there's a second captain and a third captain. Well, that first captain gets the ship, you're gonna have to stand up, <laughs> gets the ship on course. And uh, I wanna, <laughs> Ashley, well, I can't, I can't even begin to describe all the work and love. Love comes first and then the work second, right? All the love that she, that she put into this. So, Ashley, we love you. And thank you for all your, what you've done. Thanks, Harvey. Any others? In the back? Oh, awesome. I'm gonna sit this one down. My name's Kimberly, and I prayed for one of my sons to get off heroin, and he answered my prayer, and he almost died in got a lesson of his life to where he's back to himself again. Amen. All my kids are drug free. That is so wonderful. Amen. Thank you, God. Wow. That's beautiful. All right. Anybody else while I'm back here? All right. Thank you, everybody. I think we have another wonderful worship song now. Thank you all for sharing. Um, let's sing this song together. I always go to it. Um, been going through it to it through many years um, before the throne of God above. And oof, what what a wonderful reminder that it's we can come to God, and it's not because of us or what we're doing or or the church, or it's because of Jesus. That's why we can come to God, and that's why he um, He loved us through, through Jesus. So let's sing this together. You can stand if you like, or sit. <clears throat> Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea great high priest whose name is love whoever lives and pleads for me my name is graven on his hands my name is written on his heart i know that while in heaven he stands no tongue can bid me thence depart no tongue can bid me then depart when satan tempts me to despair and tells me all the guilt within upwards i look and see him there who made an end to all my sin because a sinless savior died my sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied 
To look on him and pardon me To look on him and pardon me Behold him there, the risen Lamb My perfect spotless righteousness The great unchangeable I am The King of glory and of grace One with himself I cannot die My soul is purchased by his blood Life is hid with Christ on high With Christ my Savior and my God With Christ my Savior and my God Alleluia Alleluia Praise the one risen Son Hey guys, welcome to Genesis. We're so glad you're here today. My name is Greg and I'm going to do the announcements. Uh, Please take a moment to let us know you're here by filling out either the digital green card or you might find one in a pew nearby. Um, Yeah, the connection card is on the website. Um, If you are new to Genesis, text new to Genesis to 94,000. That's new to Genesis, all one word. Uh, You can place that physical green card in the box at the back of the sanctuary. Um, that's also where you can place your offering, um, and there's many ways to give, uh, whether online, through text. And thank you to all who uh, consistently give and call, call our church home. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, as you guys have heard, like we're wrapping up uh, the Warming Center, and thank you so much for all who have uh, given their time and energy and just tirelessly worked to make this uh, a success. And uh, kind of by way of solidarity, uh, the uh, visitors and uh, volunteers are required to wear masks. So if you could wear a mask while you're here today, that'd be great. Um, Yeah, this Saturday we have a painting party. And uh, at first I thought we were like painting a room of the building, but it's actually on canvas and it's in the style of pop art. And it's $5 per person, ages eight and up. And um, if you're interested, you can register on Facebook or go to the garden desk for more information. Um, Also coming up, we have an Ash Wednesday service, and that's February 22nd at 6.30 p.m. And um, yeah, just come and uh, uh, as we start into this new season, kind of transition our hearts into that Lent season. Um, Dan, did you want to say something on Elder? Yeah. Uh, 
Thank you. Yes, we're receiving nominations for elders uh, from the congregation. And so uh, if there's somebody that you think of that would be a really great spiritual leader in this church, uh, please submit their names either to me or to Ben Hoskins or to the pastors or anybody that you think would pass it on. We've already got one nomination and uh, it's somebody when I saw the name put in, I thought, yes, yes, that'd be fantastic. So uh, be aware of that. We're also going to be calling a few of you to ask you to help with interviews of uh, elder candidates. Um, so be prepared for that. Now, the deadline is the day before Valentine's Day, March or February, uh, not March, February uh, 13th. So that's a warning for all of you who need a little extra help for Valentine's Day. First deal with the elders and then with your beloved, okay? And um, so, so uh, well, I'll be saying this again next week, uh, but a uh, week from tomorrow is the deadline, okay? Thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. And he mentioned deadline, which reminded me, I should have said the painting thing deadline is for registration is Tuesday uh, this week. So, uh, w because the painting's on Saturday. Um, I'm scatterbrained, you'll have to forgive me, but we're going to release the middle school students um, to go to their program, if there's any, and then we're going to release for connection. So find someone you might not connect with very often and introduce yourself. Thanks.
Good morning. Welcome. Great to hear the chatter this morning. There is a calendar of sorts, and Greg brought that up in those announcements that here in a few weeks starts like the season of Lent. And so the church, historical, not everyone participates in it, has a calendar, has a rhythm that leads us into the life of Jesus where we're shaped by the life of Jesus. And so Lent, which is a season that happens with Ash Wednesday, and it leads all the way up through Easter, is a season. And so we're in this period of time that's between the advent, the birth of Jesus, and the starting of Lent. It's called Epiphany Tide. It's not really a season, but it's just a marker. And this is about God being with us. And the church has this set of teachings and scriptures that they go through in today's and next week's and last week's were all from the writings of Matthew of the life of Jesus. So that we're in Matthew 5. This is a sermon of Jesus, the biggest teaching of Jesus that's recorded in the Bible. It's maybe the most popular, but it's been written down. Jesus has started his ministry. He's launched it out. And Jesus is a rabbi in the context of Israel, context of Judaism. And he's a rabbi, as they say, who teaches with chutzpah, with authority. Um, not only just the authority of how he handles the ancient text, but also how he lives and with power and with healing. And so people are showing up. And they're showing up in masses, one for healing, because they're hearing these rumors that even when Jesus says to demons leave, they do, and they're hearing rumors of people being healed, and they're hearing all these rumors, they're showing up because this is a teaching like authority. And the people were looking for that. There were other rabbis who supposedly had authority, and the people were continuing to look for who are those ones. And so a mass of people showed up to understand, so what is this teaching of Jesus? How does Jesus line up with these other teachers? And so in this text of Matthew 5, Jesus begins to show the people what his teaching is. Now, for many of us who have been in church for a long time or who, who have attended this, we've heard a number of things about Jesus and Jesus' teachings. And for some of them, you're going to hear things like that Jesus lowers the bar on what it is to enter into Jesus' movement. And other people will say things like Jesus raises the bar of what it is to enter into the kingdom of God, or really they'll say things like Jesus is raising the bar, not so much that it's about like participating in God's good work in the world today, but it's about how to get in heaven. And as he raises this bar, some would say this whole teaching isn't actually about anybody doing this teaching. It's about all of us understanding that we need the grace and the mercy of God. No one can actually live up to this standard of Jesus. So Jesus isn't actually teaching us to do this. He's teaching us so that we would realize we can't do it and we'll cry out to Jesus for forgiveness of sins. And that, that is teaching. But I believe it's flawed at its total core. Right? The high bar, the low bar. Now Jesus isn't doing that. Jesus is a third way teacher. He's saying, no, you got it wrong. I I'm going to teach you another way. I'm going to teach you the way to live. When Jesus teaches that, he's he actually has every intent for us to live it. Not just to show that you can't. Jesus wants us to live into this thing called life. 
This isn't about you doing these things so that you'll be forgiven. Jesus announced saying, hey, I've got the authority to forgive sins. You're forgiven. Just like that. You're forgiven. This is not about forgiveness. Don't make these texts about who is forgiven or not, or getting forgiveness. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. You wouldn't even think about crazier things that are written about. Jesus said that from the beginning of the foundation of the world that Jesus was crucified. Meaning that forgiveness was worked out before the world even started by Jesus' plan. This teaching of Jesus is not about forgiveness. It's about how a forgiven people live. And he wants to teach us to live saying, oh, there's a life for you. And it's not about the bar being lower. And it's not about the bar being higher. It's about life. And a life that I want to lead you into. Follow me. And so Jesus is teaching and has an invitation for us to life. Not to put a burden on our shoulders, not to overwhelm us, but an invitation but before that invitation comes, we hear this again. When Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, when people showed up in need, he said things like, your sins are forgiven to the man who was broken. And they're like, who can do this? And Jesus says, I have the authority to do this. And when Jesus was on the cross, and after everyone had done everything to him, he says this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. So how do a forgiven people live? And so that's where Jesus takes this teaching. What does it look like for people who understand God loves them and forgives them? What does that look like to live that out? And Jesus wants to begin to paint a new picture for us. He's saying, this is what it looks like. And so, as a rabbi would, he grabs these people, he comes to the mountainside, he sits down, and he begins to teach them. And this is in Matthew 5. And so, in the same way that the Jewish people would pray when they studied Revelation with God, may we do so too. So God, open our eyes to the beauty of your revelation. Open our eyes that we might see how beautiful it is, how other it is, how different it is, how accessible it is. Let us hear you, the good shepherd. Amen? Amen. Matthew 5, verse 13 to 20 is the text today. So uh, if you got a phone, you can just even type that in and some version will pop up. We have it on the screen behind us if you want to read. There's lots of different language or versions. This is just the one I chose for today. So this is Matthew 5, 13 to 20. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen, 
will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So again, Jesus is not talking about forgiveness. When he mentions the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about the future. He's talking about the present, this messianic era, this time of God coming in and kissing the earth. God being present with us. The kingdom of God come. It's near. It's here. It's present. It's right now, and you can enter it. It is here. That's what Jesus is inviting him into. And he starts with the first thing, saying this, your salt you are light. These are, these are metaphors and words that have rich history within the context of Hebrew thought. But in essence, Jesus is saying, you're salt. You are. It's meant to be salty. Every table, every table would have salt on it, ready to be spread out upon everything. The Hebrew words for salt and for reconciliation are exactly the same. So in essence, it's almost saying, hey, spread your salt like reconciliation. Uh, Be one with each other and with God. Let that be there. You are salt and your light. Let your light shine in this world. If I was going to summarize this opening thing about your salt and your light, it could be potentially be this. Light is our relationship with God. What we've learned from God and God disclosing to us your light. This is your connection with God. And salt is how that, that relationship with God, that learning of God, that enrichment of God enriches the lives of others. Could be said in this way light is learning, salt are deeds. Another way to kind of to say it as well light is your connection to God. So let your light shine, meaning let that light produce something. This rich, intimate connection with a God who loves you. So light is your connection to God, and your salt is what your connection to God means to the world. So light must affect the world. Your light and your salt. So what does it look like to be light in the way it affects the world? Well, it looks like loving your brothers and sisters. It looks like if you see someone who's cold giving something in their cold. It looks like when somebody is hungry, feeding them. It looks like communities opening doors and cold smunts to be able to do that. It looks like people checking in on the sick and who are hurting, as Molly said, and saying, we're struggling. And the sister says, how can I, how can I help you? It, it's, it's showing love. Light looks like that, to be salt and to be light. The warming center all these last few weeks looks like that. 
Last week I shared about just the challenges in my own life and with my wife being really, really sick and Carmel not being able to breathe. And, uh, and on Sunday, immediately Bonnie backing text and says, I'm going to the grocery store. What can I get you? And I, I sent her a list of a few things and runs that for me. That looks like salt and light. Live immediately, live and bark, grab Jericho and say, we're going to take Jericho to our house and I'll put them down for a nap and we'll play with them and, and then we'll bring them back to your house. And when they did, Bart brought over soup for that evening and cookies and, and that fed me and us. That's what salt and light looks like. On Monday, Christina Crawford came over at 10 p.m. in order to take Carmel to the hospital because she just could not breathe and she needed to be admitted. And so Christina came over because like, oh, both kids are in bed. What, how are you going to go to the hospital? You can't go yourself. Christina's like, I'll be there. I'm going to come and get you. And that's what salt looks like. It's loving people. On Tuesday, Roy came by and brought me more soup and, and cookies and bread. And then Nate and Tina, in the midst of their own struggles, brought over just food and dropped it by in the midst of their own craziness and somebody else did the same and dropped it by. Dan and Marty came over on Wednesday night so I could leave the house, see Carmel, go exercise, and they stayed with our boys. Marty played Minecraft for the first time and they folded three bins of laundry. As they did it, they folded my delicates. I've heard that said, I always think delicates is funnier than underwear, but yeah. <laughs> One of them had to work for a clothing store because, or they watched those videos on YouTube about how to fold things perfectly. Oh my word, please have Dan and Marty come over and fold your laundry. <laughs> salt and light, right? They, they loved us and, and they kind of said, oh, and they, this is what salt and light looks like. It's kind of like, I think Dan was like, folding is therapeutic for me. This would be a gift to me. <laughs> Anybody else like that? Is folding therapeutic for you? Please raise your hands. I'm going to write your names down <laughs> to be a gift to you. Because <laughs> otherwise, the laundry in my house stays in bins for weeks. And so that, that was Wednesday on Thursday. Nikki came over and spent time with Harvest and Jericho because Harvest had an ear infection all week, too. And I had an ear infection and some pink eye and... Nikki came over and watched the boys. I got an e I got an email from Heather sending prayers to Carmel and wanting to reach out to her. I talked with Jim and Tony who just wanted to talk with me and pray with me. Prayers from Vicky and Angie and Jenny. So many prayers. This is what salt and light looks like. And I needed that. Molly was saying the same thing. And so many of you probably experienced the same thing. And maybe even have the opportunity to participate in stuff like that through this week. That's what it looks like. It's, it's kind of interesting to be this salt and light. Even Carmel participates in being salt and light, and she can't breathe. And so she found herself in the hospital. She got home at 7 p.m. on Friday night. That's when she got um, discharged. And, and things haven't really gotten a whole lot better, but it was on super heavy steroids. But even in the midst of struggling to breathe, and sometimes we think when we're going through hard things, it just means, ah, we're just excluded from life life that God is inviting us into, but yet she is still finding herself being salt and light, even though it's not in the way that anyone would have intended. 
You know, you guys experienced that before. It's like, this is not what I have intended. This is not what I would have picked. But this is the reality. And her salt and light looks like for this, where she prays for those who are in need, and she sees a thing. She moves our money towards things when there's needs. And she does it immediately. When there's a racial injustice that happens in our country, she moves towards those things who are moving towards justice in that. When she sees needs of the poor and the poverty, she moves things. And it's not massive amounts of money. But it's responsive to say, we're going to, here's light. Here's salt and light through her prayers and checking in on people and, and sending those things. That's what salt and light looks like. And so Jesus says this, you are salt and light. This is what you are. This is who you are. And so the next thing that Jesus says when he comes out of that is this, do not think, do not suppose that I have come to abolish, and he says the law and the prophets, that means, you know, like Torah, the instruction, the revelation of God. Don't, do not think I've come to abolish it. Why would Jesus even say this? He's like, okay, you're salt and light, and first he saw this blessing, it's like, do not think that I've come to abolish. That would mean, someone would say that, oh, Jesus is actually, he's going to lower the standard. He's going to abolish Torah. He's going to, he's going to do some of these things. Jesus is going to, he's like, don't think that I've come to abolish it. I have not come to abolish it. I've come to complete it. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to bring everything into its purpose. And then he says things like, um, not one letter will be taken away from it. Not one jot or tittle. Really, the word is not one yod, which is the smallest Hebrew letter, the yud. Not one marking from it will go. Heaven and earth will pass away before God's revelation passes away. There's some really interesting teachings in Judaism about this. So there's this teaching about Solomon. Solomon, who was said to be the wisest man who was ever to live. And Solomon was a king of Israel. And kings of Israel were told, uh, you're going to write your own version of Torah by hand. So you obey it. So you're going to have your own version. And there was very specific things for kings. They said, if you're king, here's the things you should not do. Don't have too many wives because they're going to turn your heart from God. Don't have too many chariots because they're going to turn your heart from God. And don't mass up too much money because it will turn your heart from God. And Solomon, even though he was said to be the wisest man, had like 700 wives. And so this, this, this word for, uh, in the Hebrew, starts with the letter yud. For one that said, don't, don't multiply wives, starts with the yud. And so there's this rab, there was a teaching in Judaism that says the yud, which is that smallest Hebrew letter, goes before God and says, God, Solomon is trying to remove me. Is trying to remove me from the scriptures. How interesting, right? Don't, don't, don't go this way. This isn't the way to life. This will turn your heart from, from God. You'll live for something else. And in that teaching of that, this, this commandment of multiplying your wives, um, God speaks back to the youth and says, no, no, not one jot or tittle, not one thing will be removed from the scripture. Some believe that Jesus is 
retelling the story. So Jesus says that even the least commandment to the greatest commandment, none of them will be done. Do you know that of all the commandments in Israel, they were, for one, they were numbered from the greatest to least, and everybody had an order. How do you number them? Um, there's some theories about which is the least commandment. Uh, for, for some people, you're like, oh, what's the greatest commandment was the question. And for others, like, hey, what's the, what's the least commandment? What's the, what's the low bar? for the, like, like, what's the easiest command of God that was written out that we can do? And do you know which one the rabbis said was the easiest? Well, it comes from Deuteronomy, and it says this. If you walk along a mother bird with either eggs in its nest or little chicklings, do not take the mother bird and the babies. Leave the mother eat the babies. That is the least commandment in Torah. So, do not have chicken dinner and eggs. Okay, don't eat eggs and a Chick-fil-A sandwich or wherever you're going to get Kentucky Fried Chicken, Popeyes. Don't have scrambled eggs and chicken. That's, that's supposedly the least. You know, remember when they asked Jesus what was the greatest? Love God. And it says, if you wonder what that looks like, love your neighbor, be salt, be light. So Jesus isn't lowering the, the, this bar. He's saying, no, these, these commands are going are to stand, but I've come to, I've come to fulfill them. I've, I've come to show you. Now, he's probably, probably saying this because everyone's watching Jesus, and who are the people who are coming to him? Are they elite? So he finished this as they go, I'm not trying to abolish the law in the Torah. But then he closes his whole teaching with this. Now, so if you think that I'm not lowering the bar, you might be like, your, your righteousness has to surpass those who've taken the law most seriously. Your, your justice has to surpass them if you want to be a part of my kingdom. So this is really interesting because Jesus has gathered with him normal people, broken people, tax collectors, prostitutes, and, and yet there's all these elite, and he's saying, well, you actually have to surpass them if you want to be a part of what I'm doing. So is Jesus saying, yeah, I'm actually raising the bar? Now, he, he, Jesus is always teaching a third way. He's not trying to push and to, to breed upon our insecurities or to make elitism a thing. You have to surpass or, you're, or I'm going to lower everything. It's like, no, no, Jesus is showing another way. Because both our insecurities, meaning you don't measure up, so let's lower the bar. Or you've got to be elite, so we're going to raise the bar so you can point your nose down at others and say you're not measuring up. Both of those are darkness and not light. Jesus is showing a third way. And Jesus in Matthew is going to teach about what that looks like. He's going to be showing, he says, oh, this is what it looks like for you to actually surpass the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Because when Jesus talked about them, he said things like this. Hey, do what they say. They're actually saying some of the right things, but don't do what they do. Because they're not actually living it. Jesus wants us to live the way of life, which is about being salt and light in this world. And he's going to show this third way in his teachings. And we're going to get there next week about when Jesus says, okay, you've heard it said this, and I'm going to say this. And he's going to begin to illuminate this way of life and what it looks like. 
to actually follow Jesus, what it looks like to live as a person who is forgiven in this world. Jesus is inviting these people into a third way. So again, we think we're lowering the bar or raising the bar. Here's the reality of this um, about being salt and right, and about all of us who are, the th- who, are, who are showing up and having an opinion about what God is doing, and we either put our noses down to those people who we see as elitism, or we put our nose down on those who we think aren't living up to it right. And the whole along, Jesus is kind of saying, none of you actually have this right. Nobody has it right. None of you have the perfect thoughts about God. Is it possible? No. How can a, how can a finite brain comprehend the infinite? How is this possible? We can know things about God, which God discloses to us about God's self. But all of us have biases, all of us have places we've been raised, and we, and we have it wrong. And Jesus wants to continue to take us all and say, let me show you how to live. Not in your insecurity and not in your elitism, but as one who's been invited into the way of life. You are forgiven and you are loved. You are included. You are not excluded. But none of us have it right. And so we come to the Jesus who's going to continue to illuminate our biases and teach us. And Jesus shows this as he begins to say, who is allowed to be salt and light in his movement? All of us are allowed into this. When we begin to, uh, this is the coolest part of this teaching, is when Jesus, he doesn't begin the teaching saying, you should be salt and light. We might have already stepped in feeling that. No, you should be salt and light. Come on, get your act together and do more good. No, he's, he's not saying that. He's saying, you are. You're light. You're salt. You are. You're light and you're salt. You're included. You're light and you're salt. You're in. You're light and you're salt. You are. This is who you are. You are light and you're salt. But you're saying, but, but I'm also a mess. And he's like, you are. You're light and you're salt. Like, well, I'm dull and I haven't learned it yet. And like, yeah, you are. You're light and you're salt. You're like, well, yeah, and I'm, I, I get really angry and I, I want to destroy people who think differently than me and I want God to call fire down on them. Yeah, you do. And you're light and you're salt. You're included in. And so if we know anything about this, the disciples of Jesus, this is what they were like. Shane Willard talks about this. And I was teaching on this. He's like, look back at those who Jesus pulled in close to them and what they did so you can see who is salt and who is light. Jesus would continue to teach his disciples and they wouldn't get it. And he would say things like this. Are you so dull? And the answer was yes. They were dull. And he's like, oh, um, I'm going to give my life. I'm going to die. I'm going to raise from the dead. And they wouldn't get it. Dull people are salt and light. People who think they have it right are salt and right. People who think that other people aren't, who aren't like them aren't included are still called in to be salt and light. The disciples of Jesus saw other people trying to cast out demons. 
And they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we tried to stop them because they were using your name to cast out demons because they weren't one of us. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? Anyone who's trying to cast out demons in my name is for me, not against me. So those who think that only the part of their club, only people who think like them, only people who are doing it right like them, are still included in. Is that you? How about those with limited understanding and who are fearful? When Jesus told his disciples, saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, they said they were unwilling to ask Jesus any questions because they were afraid. Right? So fearful people are salt and light with limited understanding. Is that you? That's me. How about when you think that God's goal is to destroy people who don't accept him? They're still salt and light. But they've got it wrong. So this is what two disciples of Jesus did. Jesus came up to this city. This city did not accept Jesus because his face was turned to Jerusalem. They saw that as offensive, so they rejected Jesus. They rejected Jesus. They would not welcome him. They would not show hospitality. And so the disciples said this, do you want us to call down fire to kill all these people? And Jesus is like, don't you know who I am? (laughs) I have not come to bring fire, but life. I didn't come to burn this world, but to save it. But yet they were still invited in. They were still included. God's goal is not to destroy those who don't accept him to call down fire. What is also said about these people who were salt and light, that they were unschooled and ordinary people. Ordinary are included. You are salt, you are light. Shane puts it this way, those with murky pasts. Oh, that murky past, it was like Mary Magdalene, who it says at one time that there was like, when somebody was a prostitute and had seven demons cast out of her, and she was salt and light with a past. So people with murky past who are impulsive, ego-driven, questionable judgment, addicted to being right, those are salt and light. And Jesus, this isn't about Jesus lowering his standard by raising it. It's about calling people into the life of God a third way. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into. You are salt and light. And if you look at any of the people who have been written about, they were broken with murky paths, and God was inviting them in. So even Solomon, Solomon did not obey God. Had 700 wives and did different things that kings weren't supposed to do, but yet Solomon still writes the book of wisdom. Do not think that Jesus, do not think Jesus isn't lowering the standard, but God used broken people for his purposes. In this teaching, you are salt, you are light. Let your light shine. 
before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. That is the invitation, and it could be worded this way. Jesus is giving a divine invitation into the type of life that all of us long for. A life marked by love and filled with love, an invitation into life that all of us long for. A kind of life that is still invited if you're at home on oxygen. That you're still invited into that life. And you're still invited into that life if you've got debilitating depression. You're still invited into that life. And you're invited into that life if your ADD is so out of control, you cannot hold a thought for more than two seconds. You're still invited into that life. And you're still invited to that life if you think, I've actually got it all together. I'm doing a pretty good job, and I actually know all these things about God so much better than others. And you're still invited into that life. This, this invitation into the life of God. A divine invitation into that kind of a life that all of us would long for. And life looks like this. Let's live for other people. Let's live for other people and change the world. And we need to do it daily so that it becomes a normal part of life. Uh, life begins to consist of that. This type of life that we long for, a life that's about living for other people in order to change the world. This is the, into the life of Jesus, whose life is filling every nook and cranny in this world to change it. Shane Willard brought up some really interesting questions. I'm going to close with these questions, and then we're going to take communion together. And so we think about Jesus telling us to be, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine. One of the questions could be this. Does insecurity keep you from participating? Does your insecurity, I mean, I don't, I don't measure up. I don't, I don't got it right. I've messed this up too many times. Does that keep you from participating in being light? and salt in this world, letting your love spread. Maybe this question is, what are you holding on to? Maybe it's even from your past that God is asking for you to release, to be done with. And a third question, what part of your story creates insecurity? And what part in you creates elitism? Both are darkness. And another question to process that maybe this is for you. Where are you practicing, where are you practicing this daily? 
This is not meant to be a wait. It's meant to be a different way, a way of Jesus, saying, you're salt, you're light. This is something that we can practice in the midst of the craziness of life, wherever you might find yourself. So where could this be practiced? How could this be practiced for you so that this could be a daily part of life, living into this identity that Jesus speaks over us? as beloved, forgiven people, your light, your salt. And I I love thinking about Carmel in this way because she's saying, how can I practice this daily in the midst of the life that I'm currently in? So this is about none of us having to live up to a standard of some idea of what this looks like and how we would do it. But each has had this opportunity to potentially practice this this invitation into the life of Jesus daily, not as a way of measuring up, not as a way of proving anything, but just a way of saying, oh, this is what it looks like for forgiven people to live. Oh, this is what I'm actually invited into to live this way as I do so. I feel incredibly limited in what it would look like for me to practice this And I feel huge expectations of what it should look like. But I create those based on me wanting to be more elite or out of my deep insecurity. But the invitation of Jesus is for me to hear again and again, the beautiful whisper of Jesus speak to me, you are salt, Bo. You are light. Let it shine. I've made you this way and I've invited you into my life. Come. Come, listen to my teaching. We're going to dig more into it. So as we pause and we take communion together, I want you to do this. Would you turn to the person closest to you and just say that to them? And and if you don't know their name, find their name. So you can say, Andrew, you are salt. Andrew, you are light. And you can say that back to each other. So would you receive these words? So turn to the person closest to you. Find out their name. If you already know their name, again, at least make it look like you're pretending to do it by turning your head and moving your lips. Otherwise, I will keep saying it. I saw Mark. You do that for Harvest. But Harvest, you are salt. You are light. In essence, what we're saying is you're included. Yeah, please. If if you didn't get a communion element, please grab one. We've got some right there by the tripod and there's some in the but jenna just grabbed them i've got anybody else need i i have the one with the um i like the wafer very much like more like the sort of um, catholic wafer and we've got the other ones that are kind of the thicker thing (laughs) anybody else need one 
Do we get rid of all of those? Do you need, I have one more. There's some more in the middle in the back. Thank you, Greg. You were salt, you are light, Greg. Let it be known you are included in the life of Jesus, welcomed into it, forgiven. Now, many of us have to be proven this. And that's why Jesus went to the cross to demonstrate it. It's like, let me show you the extent of my love so that you can live into this new reality of who you are. You are a people of salt and light. You are forgiven. And so remind us of the life that you have right now. It's a life of oneness with God and with one another. So would you stand with me? Let's take this together. I sometimes forget which, like, not that it matters the order. This isn't magic. This is remembering. But... Many of us have been taught and we were raised in environments that said if you did it wrong, it didn't count. It's elitism. So I actually don't care what's the order. Right? That's not what Jesus was doing. He was inviting us into his life and he doesn't care if you take the drink juice or bread or in that. He welcomes us into his life so we don't look down on each other for the ways. And I can't even get mine open. So let's do the bread first, or the, that, that wafer. Good golly, Miss Molly. Oh, I got it, I got it. I didn't want that other one. It tastes so terrible, I'm sorry, church. Some of you got them, <laughs> but you're included. Even if it tastes bad, you're included. <laughs> Jesus took bread and he handed it to all his disciples, even ones that would betray him. And Jesus does that so intently. It's like you're included, even in our betrayals, even on our times when we say, we don't know you, Jesus. I don't know you. Even if we're going to use Jesus for money, he still, he still offers us life. We want to make a dollar off of Jesus still included. You are forgiven. He says, take and eat this. This is my body. Let me show you the extent of my love. I will show you how far I will go to, to let you know that you are forgiven. Let's eat. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus shows us the full extent of our forgiveness. So believe me, you're included. I will show you the full extent of my love. I will not retaliate, but I'll show you, demonstrate it. And so this is a new kind of relationship where you could live as you're included and forgiven into this new life of Jesus. Let's drink. Thank you, God. And so I want to pray one prayer, and I'm going to invite Dan up here, who's going to dismiss us. I love participating together in, in this, but I also want us to pray the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, 
If you don't know it, grab your phone and just type in Lord's Prayer. Uh, and you can, you can follow along. I don't have it on the screen. If you haven't memorized, pray it. Pray the version you know. If not, just, just listen and, and participate. This is a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in this teaching in Matthew chapter 6. And he taught them, pray, pray this way. And so as people who are included, let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours are the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can, you can mark yourself. It doesn't do anything. I mean, I do it because I've been reminded. It's like the idea. It's like, oh, no, this is the shape of the cross. It reminds me of Jesus. What, what the full extent of love looks like. Self-sacrificial giving. And so um, since the first century, people have been marking themselves. It doesn't, it doesn't make you anything. Doesn't, you don't have to do it, but you can do it. Doesn't, you're not trying to pretend you're Catholic or anything else. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> you can do it or not do it. But I, I, I found myself, I was encouraged by one of my friends. He's like, do it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start doing it to not, can, not confuse you. All right, I'm done. Amen, amen. Damn. <laughs> So I'm one of the elders, and uh, so don't nominate me. I'm already an elder. But uh, one of the things we do as elders uh, is pray for people. And uh, we're going to have time at the end of this service in just a few moments. If any of you, uh, maybe some of the questions that were stimulated as Bo was, uh, was teaching us, or maybe the spirit was stirring in your heart in some way and you feel like you need special prayer. Uh, I'll be up here. I don't know if any of the other elders will be here. For those of you on Zoom, uh, Nasha is one of our elders and she will be there uh, to go and uh, be separate with you on Zoom to have a prayer conversation if you need to have uh, that on Zoom. So we invite you to do that. And so um, let's, uh, uh, as we go forth, Jesus said, you are the, what? The salt, and you are the light of the world. So we're going to go out into that world as light and salt uh, to love and serve the Lord. Go forth in God's peace. Amen.